Well, I'm really excited to share with you today. Um, big thank you to Pastor Jeff for having me speak. And um, it's always good to share with my family. Amen? Amen. Amen. So how many here like to hike? Not a whole lot of hands, a few hands. Um, has anybody, anybody here besides my husband and Tom Britton, are you mountain hikers? Okay, I see a few hands there. Okay. Yeah, Mike and um, Tom Britton have both, they're called 46ers, 46ers. Do you all know what a 46er is? Okay. That means they've hiked all 46 mountains in the Adirondacks. Yeah. Which is quite... Quite a, a feat, you know, like you, you get the badge and the t-shirt and all that. Mm -hmm. So they've done all of that. And um, they've actually dragged me up a few mountains too, okay? <laughs> uh, just about literally, yeah, yeah. I mean, dying on the way up and my husband would have to pep talk me to keep going. But yeah, this morning we're going to look at a mountain hike that Jesus took a few of his disciples on, okay? So if you have your Bibles or your devices, turn with me to Matthew chapter 17, okay? Matthew 17. And yeah, apparently Jesus liked to hike mountains. So, and I'm going to read to you from verses 1 through 9, okay? I'll be reading this from the NIV. It says, After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There they was, he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. And they were coming, as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Okay, so Peter, James, and John, they were three of his disciples. But not just any three, okay? They were considered the inner circle. That is, they were especially close to Jesus. How many here want to be especially close to Jesus? Amen? 
The Bible says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Amen? So these three drew near, really near to Jesus. And here Jesus takes them up this hike, up this mountain. So which mountain for sure, we don't know. The earliest tradition claims it was Mount Tabor. And um, that might have been the location. It's a mountain that stands alone about 2,000 feet in height. Okay, it's now the location, um, standing on the top of that location now, is a church called the Church of Transfiguration. Okay, the church that stands there today is relatively new, okay, in that it was built by the Franciscan monks in 1924. But it was built upon ruins of an earlier 4th century church. You can tour this uh, mountain, okay, if you travel there to Israel. I don't know. Um, Susie's traveled to Israel. Dave's traveled to Israel. I don't know if you've been to Mount Tabor. But... You can, some people actually, I research this online, they actually have um, hiked, choose to hike up the mountain when they get there, like Jesus and his disciples. Um, or you can take a shuttle bus tour, okay, <laughs> which would be what I would do, okay? <laughs> so this location... Um, of Mount Transfiguration, of course, is debated. So some believe that it was not that mountain, but it was Mount Hermon, which um, is, it looms, it's huge. It looms above the location of uh, Caesarea Philippi, which is where Jesus was teaching just a few days prior to this, okay? Mount Hermon is on the border of uh, Syria and Lebanon, and it's much higher than Mount Tabor. Its top peak reaches 10,000 feet, okay? So that would be quite a hike, okay? Um, now, Mount Marcy in New York, in the Adirondacks, is our highest peak, and that is 5,343 feet. And that's one of the ones that Mike has dragged me up, okay? I remember going up, and as we're going up, I see this mountain over here going up. And I go, Mike, what mountain is that? He's like, I don't want to tell you, but that's it. <laughs> like We were, oh my goodness, it was huge. But we made it up there. Um, so personally, I think Jesus hiked out Mount Tabor. I think that's more reasonable. Uh, perhaps that's because I don't enjoy mount mountain climbing much. Um, so, but the location really doesn't matter. What matters is what happened on that mountain, okay? So we're going to back up just a little bit in the scriptures. Uh, Jesus was teaching just a few days prior to this at an occasion of Caesarea Philippi. Um, so we're going to back up to chapter 16, Okay, now chapter breaks in the Bible were added later. Y'all know that, right? They were added to help us find our way around the Bible. Okay, so we could find verses more easily. Um, and they're, for the most, place, most part, they're positioned really well. And 
But in a few places, it's like you should read back or read forward to get it all, okay, to the next chapter. So don't let these chapter breaks confine your Bible reading or be some kind of stop sign because um, it's not always appropriate. Okay, so we're going to go, we're going to start in chapter 16. Jesus was teaching about his coming kingdom. And here Jesus asked his disciples who people claimed he is. And I'm going to read you from 1416. It says, um, here Peter says, after when Jesus asked him, who do people say that I am, Peter? He says, well, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. To this, Jesus replied, you are blessed, son, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Peter had revelation of who Christ is, okay? And how was it? Revelation is when God shows you. It was revealed to him by the Spirit of God. He knew who Jesus is. And it's upon this rock, the rock of revelation, okay, of who Jesus is, that Jesus is Savior, that God builds his church, amen? And the moment we come to this revelation and embrace him, we become one of his building stones in which make up his church, Jesus Christ being the cornerstone, amen? And the Bible says the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen. So then Jesus spoke about his coming glory and kingdom. He spoke prophetically of his second coming when he said in verse 27 and 28, For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. And I tell you the truth, some standing here right now will not die before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Now, some people have a problem with this verse because they, under, they don't understand or they misunderstand and they think, oh, well, the disciples are deceased and Jesus has not returned yet, right? Okay, however, we have to ignore the chapter change here, okay? Read on to the next chapter, 17, when Jesus now only six days later takes Peter, James, and John, some that were standing there, right, up this mountain hike. And when they get to the top of the mountain, Jesus is transfigured before him, before them, right before their eyes. He is changed, and his, his, he glows like the sun. His, he becomes as white as light. They saw him in his glory. Amen? The same glory he had before his incarnation. 
the glory he returned to after he was raised from the dead, and the glory that he will return to the earth in someday. Amen? So I ask you, did some standing before him when he was teaching in Caesarea Philippi see the Son of Man in his kingdom glory prior to their death? Yes, they did. When? On the Mount of Transfiguration. Isn't that revealing? Amen. Now, years later, Peter wrote about this miraculous event in his epistle. Okay, I'm going to read to you from 2 Peter 1, verses 16 through 18. And I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. It says, For we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the power coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes when he received honor and glory from God the Father. The voice from the, his, the majestic glory of God said to him, This is my dearly beloved Son who brings me great joy. We ourselves heard that voice from the heavens when we were with him on the holy mountain. So what's this talking about? The Mount of Transfiguration, okay? When they saw his splendor with their own eyes, when they heard the Father say, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him, amen? So when the gospel was told, when, when his glory was spoken of, they weren't just telling made-up stories. They experienced his glory themselves. Amen? Lord, show us your glory. Right? Show us your glory. We all need to press in for experiences with the Lord Jesus. Then we will behold his glory. Amen? Amen. I mean, we got to read the word of God daily. But... Press in for experiences with him. As you're reading the word, say, Lord, open my eyes. Show me wonderful things in your word. Press in for experiences with him. We need to experience him on a daily basis. Okay? So when we tell others about him, we're speaking from experience. Right? We're not just making up stories. We're not just telling you, you know, somebody else's testimony. We're telling our experiences with the Lord Jesus. You can say, I experienced his glory myself. And you can too. Amen? Okay, so now back to the mountaintop. What was Peter's response? Okay? Even though Peter had the revelation a week or so back that Jesus was the Son of God, yet his response shows that he didn't really totally get it, okay? So when Jesus was transformed and displayed his glory, Moses and Elijah appeared with, them, with him, and they uh, conversed with one another, 
Okay, so then Peter responds to this by saying, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Okay, so Peter, no doubt, wanted to respond to this glorious event in some form of worship which is only natural and is good. But he gets this brainy idea, okay? Did you ever get a brainy idea? Yeah, I get a lot of brainy ideas, okay? So he gets this brainy idea to put up three tabernacles or shelters, one for each of them. Okay, now, many scholars believe that this occasion on the Mount of Transfiguration happened during the time of the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles, which is where they would put up tents or shelters, okay, that served as a memorial for the days when God provided for the Israelites. While they journeyed, they journeyed through the wilderness looking forward to the Promised Land. So Peter wanted to memorialize it understandably, okay? So Peter thought, hey, wouldn't it be a great idea if we put up three tabernacles? One for you, one for Elijah, one for Moses, right? Brainy idea. But how many know there's good ideas and then there's God ideas, <laughs> right? Yeah. So we need to discern the difference. So Peter had it right when he said, if you wish, right? We usually pray it this way, Lord, if it be thy will, right? If it be your, thy will, do such and such. Um, and that's how we need to pray. So Peter's brainy idea involved putting up these tabernacles, perhaps as a memorial, Okay, like the Feast of Tabernacles. But in doing so, he was putting Jesus on the same level as Moses and Elijah. Do you see it? Okay. So they are not equals. All right. And so to this, God the Father speaks up. How many know God will back you up, right? We don't have to defend ourselves. You know, that's not in my notes, but I feel like that's for somebody. You don't have to defend yourself. God will defend you. Amen? He's got your back. Whatever you're going through right now, God has got your back. Amen. So, God speaks up majestically from heaven. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Okay, so this bold proclamation of the Father happens to distinguish him far above Moses and Elijah. He is hallowed as God's own son. He's declared, his deity is declared by the Father himself. He is the third person of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Amen? So Peter stands corrected. And what of Peter's brainy three-tabernacle idea? 
never mentioned again. Okay, I have, I don't know about you, but I found when I get these brainy ideas, even, you know, good ideas, and I pray about it, and it's never mentioned again. <laughs> right? No confirmation, nothing lining up. It's usually dead in the water. Okay? The answer, even if you hear nothing, is usually no or at least not now in this way, okay? So Peter's idea is rebuked by God the Father himself. He comes to the Son's rescue by boldly proclaiming from heaven that he is God's Son. Wow. Wow. So another way to look at Peter's response is he he wanted to preserve this wonderful experience, right? And so put a building around it. We all want to hang on to what God's doing. With each revival, a move of God in history, people, God's people want to preserve what God is doing. And rightly so, you know. And that is all good. Denominations. Did you know our denominations were built around moves of God? Yeah. Because revelation comes and they learn this truth and, it, wow, I've got it, Right? And we, they build a, a denomination around that. That's how we got the churches, the different Christian, Christian, I'm talking Christian churches now, okay? So the thing is, where we go wrong is when we say this is all there is. We try to put God in a box. You know, we got to stay open to fresh moves of God, amen? We've got to call on his glory. We got to press into his presence, Amen. So we just got to be hungry for more of God. So here on the mountain, God the Father speaks from heaven and declares who Jesus is, that he's not at all equal, that he is in fact God, his son. Okay, so Peter stands corrected, but when the Father spoke, they couldn't stand any longer. (laughs) It says they fell to their knees with faces to the ground. Wow, can you imagine? It had to have been just earth-shaking. Actually, the Bible says they were terrified. Okay, but Jesus comes and touches them. And he says, get up. He said, don't be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one but Jesus. Amen. Jesus comes and he quiets all our fears, doesn't he? And they saw no one but Jesus. Their eyes were on him. Everybody, just close your eyes for a moment. And picture Jesus. Just Jesus. Everything else, all those concerns, what you're going to do when you get home, all your worries are gone, and there's just Jesus. Amen. We need to focus on Jesus until everything else and everyone else fades in the distance. Then we will behold his glory. 
I just feel like the Holy Spirit is moving across the sanctuary right now. And he's saying, I want to give you an experience with me. I want to take you deeper with me. I want to move you out of head knowledge. I want to come in and fill you. Just put your hands up right now and surrender and say, Holy Spirit, come. Come and fill me. Jesus, come and change me. I want to experience you. I want to experience you. Amen? He's just flowing. He's just moving across the sanctuary. He is here. He's touching you. He's touching you. Some of you are struggling. You're struggling with pain and anxiety, troubles. Jesus is coming saying, just give it to me. Put your eyes on me. I've got this. I've got this. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your glory. Amen? Hallelujah. John 1.14 says, And the word of God, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So Peter's brainy idea was not God's will. Nevertheless, the occasion was memorialized. Like I said earlier, the Church of Transfiguration was built upon a mountain thought to be the one that Jesus was glorified on, though it may have been a different mountain, yet it was memorialized there. And many traditional churches celebrate the Feast of Transfiguration every year, which they celebrate in August. So this blessed occasion was memorialized. The Mount of Transfiguration also parallels Moses while he was on Mount Sinai, another mountain. How about that? In the Old Testament, Moses, while on a different mountain, Mount Sinai, experienced the burning bush and received the Ten Commandments. The burning bush, that's an experience, amen? He experienced God. And Moses said to God while he was on that mountain, he said, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. Right? Then he says to God, please show me your glory. Amen. And then God said that he would make all of his goodness pass before Moses, and he would hide him in the cleft of the rock, and he would cover him with his hand while passing him by, and he would take away his hand then, and Moses could see his back, but his face, no one could see his face and live. And so Moses experienced the glory of God, and he was, when he was on the mountain, and he was on that mountain for 40 days, even as Moses said, please show me your glory, we too have to press in by faith and say, Lord, show me your glory. 
every day. In your prayer, you know, a lot of you pray, your, your intercessors, you're praying for others, that, that's good. But pray for yourself. Lord, show me your glory. Put your glory on me. You know, we get up and look in our closet. What do I wear today? I want to wear the glory. Amen? Did you know Adam and Eve were clothed with the glory in the garden? They were clothed in the glory. They looked like God because they wore his glory. But then sin came and messed it all up, right? Yeah. So when Moses, actually, just like Moses, uh, Peter, James, and John, they also experienced his Moses or his glory. And when Moses comes down from the mountain, Moses' face actually shone with the glory of God. His face just shined. It lit, it lit up. It shone so much that people were actually afraid of him. And he had to put a veil on his face to cover it up until the glory faded. So the glory then faded because Moses wasn't continually experiencing the glory of God, okay? There wasn't free access then. But now, on this side of the cross, there is free access into the holy throne room. And we can come into his presence daily. And we can stay as long as we want. And we can say, put your glory on me. And we can wear that glory throughout the day. We sometimes call having these experiences with God mountaintops experiences. It's then that we experience his spirit. It's then that we receive revelation. It's then that we're filled with the Holy Spirit. It's then that we are inspired and we're changed. And it's then that we experience his glory. And we worship him. And his glory comes. And then, when we come back down the mountain into the valley of everyday life, we can shine. We can shine. Let your light shine. Amen? Let your light shine. It's like, you ever see them three-way bulbs, right? That's a good light. Ooh, that's even better. Ooh, that's even, it's like, Lord, turn it up, right? Turn it up. I don't want your glory to fade away from me. I want to keep going in to his presence and get more and more of his glory. So we don't put a veil on it anymore. No. In fact, the only veil that remains is the veil that covers unbelievers' hearts and eyes. But when they believe, when they turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, that veil is taken away. Then you can see. I was blind, but now I see. Amen? So now it says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, And we all, who with unveiled faces 
contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image and ever with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Amen. Now we can look like Jesus, right? We can continually come into his presence, and his glory will appear on our faces in an ever-increasing manner. So that's something to shout about. Amen? Now, while upon Mount Transfiguration with Jesus, he concluded to them by saying, as they were coming down the mountain, he said, don't tell, don't tell anybody, don't tell anybody what you've seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Okay, so then it was don't tell anybody until. But now he's been raised from the dead. Amen? So now it's not don't tell. Now it's go tell. Go tell it on the mountain. Go tell it in the valley. Go tell it in the job place. Go tell your family members. It grieves me that our family members are not walking with the Lord. Amen? It grieves me. It should grieve you. It grieves the heart of God. We got to pray them in, and we got to get anointed and go speak to them. Amen? He is risen. Now it's tell everybody. And so later, after Jesus died and rose again from the grave, in Matthew 28, 16, we find the account of the Great Commission. I find it interesting that Jesus again tells them to go to a mountain. <laughs> Matthew 28, 16 through 20. It says, Then the eleven disciples, there's eleven now because of Judas, okay, went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. There's always a few. Okay, tradition holds that it was Mount Arbel where Jesus gave his disciples the Great Commission. Mount Arbel is a mountain that overlooks the Sea of Galilee. I looked it up online. There's a, there's a, a, a YouTube on it. And it's just a beautiful view from this mountain. You could see like the whole area where Jesus would have been, had done his ministry. Okay, and so it was from this mountain that Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the ages. Jesus oftentimes went to the mountain to pray to his Father. And we can go to the mountain to pray as well. But we don't have to go to the mountain, amen, to have an experience with God, to have a mountaintop experience. We are all called to his glory every day. We just have to take the time. He's waiting for you. 
Then he says in the Great Commission, go, make disciples. Go tell the good news. Go baptize. Go declare the wonderful good news. And that's what he says to us today. It's come to me. Experience my glory, he says, and then go. Amen. I'm going to close with a couple verses. Isaiah 52, 7. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. And Isaiah 60, 1 through 3, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, does it ever, <laughs> and thick darkness is over the people. But the Lord rises upon you. And his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light. And kings to the brightness of your dawn. So let's press into his presence daily. Read his word, yes. But press in for experiences with the Lord Jesus. Through his Holy Spirit. And then go tell everyone. Amen. Amen.